0: Hello, it's Clive DeKal, another edition of the Health Revolution. And once more, I'm joined with my great friend, Spencer Feldman from the United States. And as always, Spencer will have a couple of really, really interesting things to tell us. So welcome,
1: Spencer. Hey, nice to see you again, Clive. So what should we start with? Well, I'd like to talk about histamine and how hidden allergies are playing a role in a lot of people's chronic illness. Right. So I'll, I'll start by telling you how this product came to be, which a lot of the products I, I manufacture are solutions to someone's problem in particular. Uh, so, and then I make it available to other people. So uh, I began trying to figure out how to help a friend who had uh, mold toxicity and you know, a huge number of homes have mold in them. And as I'm researching mold toxicity, what I'm realizing is it's part of a larger set of problems called histamine intolerance. And so then I started looking into histamine. And like most, I was familiar with the general idea of histamine. It makes your skin itch if you, you know, uh, get a mosquito bite or Maybe if you're allergic to foods, um, it gives you an upset stomach or, you know, maybe some uh, some loose, uh, loose movements. Um, you know, maybe it gives you the sniffle, uh, makes your nose itch or maybe coughing. But then I dug a little deeper and I, I found out that there's actually a lot of things that are histamine that you wouldn't think, right, classically. So histamine is both a hormone and a neurotransmitter. And there are receptors for it throughout the entire body. Now, there's four histamine receptors that we know of. Uh, They're labeled H1, H2, H3, and H4. And H1 and H2, they go to the skin and the gut and the lungs. And those are the classic allergy symptoms, you know, itchy or painful skin, food allergies, asthma, sinus inflammation. Uh, However, these same receptors are also found in the muscles the joints, the heart, the nerves, the prostate, the uterus, the bladder, the throat. Uh, so how might uh, these high histamine or histamine receptors in these tissues being activated manifest? Well, in the case of the muscles and the joints, you'd get muscle and joint pain. In the heart, you might get higher or low blood pressure, dizziness, arrhythmias, um, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, known as POTS. In the nerves, you might get chronic pain or neuropathy. In the prostate, you get prostate enlargement. In the uterus, it could be PMS, miscarriages, difficulty conceiving or holding a child. Um, in the case of the bladder, uh, interstitial cystitis or pain or it, uh, burning during urination. And in the case of the throat, you can get snoring and sleep apnea. So I was like, wow, that's, that's a lot of things that I didn't realize could be associated with an allergy. And that's just H1 and H2, so then you've got H3 and H4. Now, H3 goes through the central nervous system, that's the spinal cord in the brain. Uh, and here's where it gets a little tricky. So, high histamine creates inflammation, which is annoying or painful, and the tissue that has the high histamine starts to swell. Now, if it's in the skin, there's room for the swelling to happen, so it's not dangerous. But if it happens in the brain, well, the brain is encased in the skull. There's no room for the brain to expand. That's why brain swelling is fatal in an emergency that requires sometimes drilling a hole to release pressure. Uh, so the brain has to be protected from high histamine levels. Now, histamine also regulates all the uh, most of the neurochemical release. So, you know... Even if you only have mild histamine in the brain, not enough to cause a lot of swelling, um, it, can all, it can cause mania and other neurologic problems as you get a massive dump of neurochemicals at once. So the brain has to be protected from high histamine at all costs. And there is a special receptor uh, called the H3 receptor. And what happens is when it senses high histamine in the body, it will decrease histamine in the brain just to make sure it doesn't get swelling and you don't go into mania or something. Problem is, um, some people have an overactive histamine receptor. Now, the way receptors are supposed to work is they're usually off, and then they get triggered by something and they turn on, and they're on for a certain amount of time until whatever time the epigenetics decides is appropriate, then they turn off again. But there are people who have genetic defects where a particular receptor might always be in the on condition. Right, So instead of like a light that goes off and on, it's a light that is always dim and then sometimes on full blast, but at least dim at all all times, right? And that's called constitutive activity. So what happens is people who have constitutive activity always have um, a drop in the histamine in their brain because that H3 receptor is always lowering the histamine in their brain. And then they can end up with really low neurotransmitters. And then just depending on which one goes down... So for instance, uh, you know, you can end up with headaches or brain fog or difficulty regulating temperature and vertigo and nausea. Specifically, if neurofacetylcholine goes down, uh, it's hard to learn or remember things. If dopamine goes down, it decreases motivation and can lead to Parkinson's. Um, If serotonin goes down, there's depression. If norepinephrine goes down, that's ADHD or difficulty focusing. And low GABA makes it hard to relax or go to sleep. So what I found out is, you know, there are people that can have an allergic brain. They eat something or exposed to something in their environment. It triggers the H three receptor to crash their neurotransmitters, and that's a brain allergy. Suddenly, they just they have all of these neurologic symptoms. Now you do a a brain scan on them; they're perfectly fine because you know we don't really have the ability to not invasively go and check the for constitutive activity of an H three receptor in the brain. And then you got one last one. You've got the H4 receptors. They're in the immune system. Um, probably if you uh, are dealing with histamine, you know something called mast cells. So mast cells have H4 receptors. Um, now, mast cells are the main producers of histamine in the body, and they're a very ancient part of the immune system. They, they predate antibodies. So they've been around for a long time. And what mast cells do is they trigger... Uh, our white blood cells to attack bacteria, viruses, and fungi. However, there's this other thing, right? There are parasites we can be exposed to, and so uh, the parasites are usually too large. You know, the, the worms, the helminths, and the flukes and such. They're too big for a, a, a white blood cell to kill, right? It's like it's like trying to take a bite out of an elephant. It's just the elephant doesn't even notice. He can't even get to it. So the mast cells have a second kind of response for parasites. And so uh, that's where you get like itching on the skin, right? It's these mast cells telling the skin, there's some kind of parasite on your skin, scratch it off. Okay. Or in the gut, histamine is, the mast cells dump the histamine to tell the gut, hey, you've got a parasite in your gut. Some diarrhea is probably a really good right now, because that'll flush out the parasites, hopefully. Now in the lungs, that's the body, you know, if there are, there are worms that get into the lungs, so that's histamine saying cough out the the worm, in um, the sinuses try to sneeze it out or mucus it out, and in the eyes try to rub it out or tear it out, right? So this is a, a great strategy for parasites because, you know, up until 100, 150 years ago, parasites were a huge problem for everybody on the planet. Food, water, you get them from, you know, getting in a river or walking barefoot on the soil. Um, but we don't really have parasites so much anymore. Uh, that's not to say that there are some people that don't have parasites, but it's not to the degree that we used to have it. And basically, an allergy in many ways is the body thinking there's a parasite that's not there. And it wants to get rid of it, and so it goes through these processes, but there's no parasite there. It's something else irritating the body. You know, maybe it's some toxicity or something else going on. Uh, so, you know, another thing that happens is, um, when the, so there's also macrophages, or these are the white, the big eater, macrophage, big eater, and they they also have H4 receptors. And when they get activated, they cause cholesterol to accumulate in themselves and nearby tissue. So uh, this could happen in the liver. If the macrophages get get activated in the liver, then you can end up with a fatty liver. Um, or if they get activated in the arteries, you can get arterial plaque and cholesterol there. So a lot of things that are, are actually are turning out to have an allergic component. Even for someone who says, well, I'm not allergic to anything. Well, actually, maybe you are and you don't, you're don't, you not aware of it. It's just not happening in a way that you think is an allergy. Um, so, you know, high histamine can affect any tissue in the body, Clive. And it's a fundamental player in chronic diseases.
0: That's That's very interesting. I hadn't realized... Half of that. So I mean, traditionally, people have been using just simple elements like vitamin C for this sort of issue. Um, how effective would you say vitamin C would be as an antihistamine?
1: So uh, there are actually what I've identified as four different steps you want to work on when dealing with a high histamine person. and Vitamin C is, uh, would, would fall into one of those categories, but we'll go through all of them because it's, um, at, the more research I did the more and, and the more I realized that histamine was a major player, the more I really wanted to come at it from every possible angle I could. So the first thing you can do is uh, if you think you've got some histamine issues, um, try a low histamine diet. And there's a lot of foods that contain histamine that you wouldn't think. Anything canned, uh, avocados, Um, there's bacteria in the gills of fish. So if the fish uh, isn't fresh frozen and then thawed and immediately eaten, um, you're getting high levels of histamine because the bacteria from the gills will colonize the fish. Um, You know, you can't taste histamine, you can't smell histamine, and you can't cook it away. So once it's there, it's there. So the first thing you can do is, you know, go go online and and look up the histamine uh, foods, and that's basically anything fermented, And that includes almost every uh, probiotic out there. Um, There are probiotics I'll tell you about that you can use, but most of them will generate histamine in the gut. Um, So, you know, histamine, a lot of foods have histamine in them or will trigger histamine. So as an example, um, you know, plants can't run away. They don't have, they can't run away like a rabbit or, you know, like a, a deer. They can't fight, you know, like a lion. They've got to, you know, stand their ground, and they do so when they're under attack, biochemically. And they make, plant, you know, anti-nutrients and things. So one of the things they do to deter uh, animals from eating them is they release, they make lectins. Lectins release histamine, among other things. So if you're allergic to nightshades or peanuts or other foods, it's probably the lectins. So you not only do you want to avoid high histamine foods, at least initially when you're experimenting with this, but... Uh, you want to do a good a good food allergy and intolerance test. And I'll explain the difference between those in a second. Also, it's not just foods, it's also airborne aller- uh, allergens. So things like mold uh, can trigger mast cells to release histamine. Um, chronic infections, a bad microbiome. If you've got the wrong gut bacteria, it'll make histamine internally for you all day long. And even elect- uh, even sunshine and electromagnetic fields Now, you might say, wait a minute, are you telling me someone can be allergic to the sun or to electromagnetic radiation? Oddly enough, yes. Uh, It works with the calcium-gated channels. And and even though it might sound uh, a bit woo-woo sci-fi, we now know from scientific tests that some mast cells uh, can be sensitized to electromagnetics or uh, ultraviolet to trigger histamine. Uh, So... Another issue that happens is once a mast cell gets activated, they they can persist for a long time. Um, When histamine activates the H4 receptors on a mast cell, the mast cells infiltrate into the tissue involved. They actually dig right in, right? And once they're inside the tissue, they're they're making histamine in the tissue. Well, that causes more mast cells to get into the tissue, and and it reinforces itself until the tissue becomes more and more allergic and reactive over time. Now. Mm -hmm. histamine and mast cells play a role in the repair from injury process, right? They're not only dealing with infections, they also help um, approximate wounds when tissue has been separated. They're part of the repair process. So that's why these cells are going into the tissue. If they sense that there's an injury or perceive that there's an injury, they're going to go in to try to fix the injury. But if they can't, if they get stuck at some part of the cycle, they just stay there and never leave, and the tissue gets more and more allergic over time. Uh, So, you know, we know what a physical scar is. It's a piece of tissue that didn't quite get healed in a way that replaced where the damaged tissue was replaced with functional tissue. It got replaced with scar tissue. So what I'm discussing is an immunological scar. It's basically post-traumatic stress disorder at a tissue level. So injured tissue can become allergic tissue and then if it doesn't get resolved, it becomes more and more and more allergic over time. So, you know, that's why some conditions keep getting worse over time. It's because that tish, that, that particular irritation or pain or, or dysfunction is actually an allergic reaction that's in a self-reinforcing cycle. So in order to get the tissue to stop behaving like this and to get the mast cells to leave and stop this inflammatory vicious cycle, we need to stop the H4 receptors from getting triggered on the mast cells, and we need to lower histamine. So what are our options to do this? Well, what about taking antihistamine drugs? You know, we've all probably taken Benadryl in our life. Well, there's three issues, okay? Number one, while there are well-tolerated antihistamines for the H1 and the H2 receptors, that's that's skin, gut, lungs, heart, but other issues, Uh, the antihistamines for the H3 and H4 receptors have a lot of side effects and require a specialist to oversee. Uh, Another thing is, while antihistamine drugs can be effective short-term, they don't address the underlying cause of the dysfunction, and within one to three weeks, uh, the person will develop a tolerance to them. And then three, even regular uh, antihistamines that are uh, well-tolerated, we now know over time cause side effects like cancer and infertility. So if you're going to do the antihistamine drugs, just keep in mind, it's a very, you know, think of it like steroids, right? Just a short term, you know, to get get you over a hump, long term, it might cause some serious problems. Okay, so the first is find out what a person's allergic to. Um, And it's not just allergic, there's allergies and intolerances, okay? Uh, um, And they're slightly different depending on which immunoglobulin gets activated. And you want to test for both. And you can do those at home with a drop of blood now. So um, the, it depends whether it's IgG or, or so forth that's getting activated. And we'll get into that in a second. Um, a second is you want to try to minimize, since we're talking about environment, the airborne allergies. So what can a person be reacting to in terms of airborne? Well, 70% of the homes now have mold, especially it's even higher if you're you know, near a river or the ocean. 80% of homes have dust mites. Uh, propane, if you cook with propane, uh, propane itself has no smell. So what they do is they stick this thing in there called mercaptan, and that has a smell, especially as you get to the bottom of the tank where there's a lot of it waiting for you. And the idea is if you have a leak, you want to be able to smell that leak so you know not to you know, light a cigarette or turn your stove on and blow your house up. So that they add mercaptan to propane. However, when mercaptan burns and is combusted uh, in your stove, it creates sulfur dioxide. And some people have allergic reactions to sulfur dioxide. And then you've got pollen, you know, about a quarter of the U.S. population anyways, diagnosed with pollen allergies every year. And if a quarter are being diagnosed, you got to figure half of them are experiencing it. And then you got, you know, airborne pollutants like VOCs and particulates and nitrogen oxides and uh, vehicle exhausts. So there's all sorts of stuff that's going on, right? Um, if you think you have a huge uh, histamine issue going on, uh, an electric stove, although they're not as good if you're you know really into the cooking arts, is better for your health, or uh, what you can do is um, get a vent to pull the combusted fumes out of, your, out of your location. But there's four other things you want to do, right? So in addition to lowering the histamine in your environment, uh, what you want to do is you want to reprogram those white blood cells that have gotten tr- um, in their head that certain things are bad, right? So, for instance, um, if I eat tomatoes, my joints ache for half an hour. Um, what I, I can avoid tomatoes, but better than that would be to uh, get the white blood cells that have got it in their mind that have been programmed to react to nightshades and get them to go away. Uh, and so that's one thing. We want to we clear the memory banks of the immune system. Uh, second, we want to suppress the biochemical creation of histamine, right? So even if we don't eat histamine in our diet or create it in our guts, we're eating histidine, which is an amino acid in our food, and that histidine gets converted to histamine. So we want to slow down that, that trans, uh, transa- uh, transformation. Thirdly, and you're talking about like vitamin C and things like quercetin, we want to stabilize the mast cells so that the histamine they have inside them, which they need to have histamine there, right, it's part of your immune system, isn't excessively triggered. It's not a, it's not a hair trigger. It's not like you just you look at the mast cell and suddenly it goes, oh, and dumps its histamine load. It needs to have a little you know, more um, uh, patience and, uh, and a little less uh, reactivity to the environment. So that it's only it's only coming out when it's needed, and then for, finally we need to break down any excess histamine once it gets to the bloodstream. Um, so let's talk about that for a second. If you look up uh, the half life of histamine or how long it takes for half of the histamine that a person is given to leave their body, uh, you'll get anywhere from a few minutes to a few hours. Now, how is that possible? Well. Histamine is broken down by two enzymes, uh, HMT inside the cells and DAO outside the cells. Now, you're probably familiar with a bunch of clients that are telling you that they have um, methylation defects. Their uh, MTHFR is not uh, working properly. It's a genetic defect. Well, um, there are people who also have genetic defects where they don't make one or both of those enzymes to break down histamine. And if someone doesn't methylate well, that's part of the way that histamine is, is, is broken down. So there are, when you see someone who get, has a half-life of histamine of three hours, uh, that's someone who is just not breaking down histamine. So we need to help them break the histamine down. So this is what I did. I made a mix of the following ingredients. I mixed rosmaranic acid, which is in rosemary, because we know that that can selectively cause apoptosis in those parts of the white blood cells that have become um, allergenic. Apoptosis means a cell decides to uh, self-destruct. So you can selectively knock out parts of the immune system that have become allergic and misprogrammed with rosemary acid or just cook with a lot of rosemary. Um, okay, then there's that's the first one, right? How do we uh, reprogram the immune system? The second one is how do we block the, trans, uh, the uh, change from or the uh, transformation of histidine to histamine? So there's an enzyme called histidine decarboxylase, and that's what turns histidine into histamine, and green tea extract will suppress that. But you want to make sure you get the decaffeinated form because caffeine actually works across purposes to your histamine, to lowering histamine. And then the third thing is, how would you stabilize the white, uh, the mast cells? And quercetin is my favorite one for that. Uh, and then fourth, can we actually supply some of these enzymes that a person either doesn't or may not have enough of? Well, we don't have a supplement for HMT yet, um, but we do have one for DAO for diamine uh, uh, diamine oxidase, which is the extracellular histamine degrading enzyme. Uh, the only issue is if you take it orally, which is all the DAO supplements I've seen are oral, it's, it's an enzyme. You're going to destroy 95% of it. So what we did is we said, okay, DAO and quercetin, neither of them are very well absorbed orally. Let's make this all as a liposome. And so we put the uh, the green the green tea extract and the rosmarinic acid and the quercetin and DAO and some other things in a liposomal capsule so that it gets... It, uh, you don't have to worry about your digestion destroying it, and you know uh, it's pretty quick, right? If if you if you take this, if you've got a histamine issue and you take this, and you're able to clear the histamine out of your body, you know, in a, in, in half an hour, you're probably going to notice it. Um, so, uh, what did I notice personally? Well, I I don't eat foods that I know that I'm allergic to, um, but what I found was that um, When I take it at night, I don't have any sleep apnea. I always had a little mild uh, bit of it. And then I realized, oh, wow, what was going on is probably uh, an allergy to dust mites in the bed. And I'd lay down, I'd be breathing in the dust mite poop, which is what you react to. And then, you know, it's swelling for me, you know, it was in the throat and just enough to block the airway a little bit and give me a little bit of apnea. And ever since I've been taking those, those ingredients at night, I wake up in the morning. And, you know, I'm not nice, a great night's sleep. I don't need to sleep as much. And the apnea, it looks like it's gone. Uh, so, wow, I, you know, that was nice. Um, the other thing you might think of is take a look at our Panacea product. That's the one for the microbiome, because if you've got um, a lot of bad bacteria growing in your gut, that'll make, um, that will make a histamine for you. Um, one thing you can do is there is a probiotic you can get. It's from a company called Foods for Gut. It's the histamine-lowering probiotic or histamine-lowering bacteria. And what I do is, uh, is um, I'll take like a half capsule of that and put it in a big thing of organic carrot juice and let it sit at 95 degrees for three days and make fermented carrot juice. Uh, but the particular bacteria I'm growing all break down histamine rather than making it. And then, uh, you know, I mean, there's other things you can do, right? You know, um, magnesium, uh, if someone is magnesium deficient, then uh, they're going to have 30 times uh, more, uh, an increase in histamine uh, from histidine. uh, That turnover will be 30 times uh, more power, um, increased in in speed. Um, And also if you're uh, metal toxic, that can stimulate histamine. So something like um, a magnesium EDTA chelator, something you might consider uh, if you're dealing with that. So, um, and then just as an overview, just try to limit the foods that are, you know, eating leftovers. Any food that's a leftover is growing histamine, growing bacteria. Um, Try to limit citrus. Although it doesn't have histamine, it triggers the release of histamine. Um, You know, you can find all these things online. It's interesting you said about the
0: sun. I've always noticed since I was young that... um... If suddenly I come out of the shade into sunshine, I sneeze, Mm. I was wondering what that was. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, that may just be a photic reflex. Uh, That might not be an allergy per se, but it also just might be, you know, your body's slightly giving giving you an allergic response to it. It's hard to say. If it happened that fast, if it happened like immediately, I'd probably say it's probably a photic reflex. Right. Oh, uh, one other thing I want to suggest to people, Um, that other enzyme that uh, breaks down um, uh, histamine inside the cells, you can actually, um, like I said, we don't have a a supplement for that, but you can make your own DAO, diamine oxidase. If you sprout lentils or peas or chickpeas in the dark, they make a bunch of DAO um, now, and you eat that you'll get some now granted you won't get as much because again it's going to be digested but that's just a way to hack it and kind of do it yourself a little bit
0: now um liposomal capsules um does that mean that you might have have to refrigerate them or anything to keep them sort of fresh well preferably
1: yes you want to keep them cool yeah how long will they last? they're they're pretty they're the ones we have are pretty stable i'm not sure what to ask next (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's, I guess what I would simply say is, um, all right, so we talked a little bit about the allergy tests, Um, if possible, you want to get both an allergy and IgE, and an intolerance and IgG test to help out. And let me explain the difference, right? The allergies are ones where, uh, like for me, nightshades, you know, if if I go to a restaurant, and there's tomatoes, and I don't know, half an hour later, um, I have a little bit of arthritis for a little while. Um, Whereas Ig that's an allergy, whereas IgG, the intolerance shows up like three hours later. And the challenge with the intolerances are they can be mild and but and take a little while. So you might never know you have an intolerance to something. So someone might be like, think of it this way. Let's say someone has an intolerance to cats and orange oranges and egg whites and mold and dust mites now they go to their allergist and they goes yeah you're it's, it's low on all of these you're not really allergic to any of them don't worry about it but they wake up in the morning and then they they have orange juice and fried eggs they go to work and the ventilation system and the, the building they work in hasn't been cleaned out in 20 years and so there's background molds they come home they have a glass of wine they're mildly allergic to the sulfide and, you know the sulfide in the wine and then they pet their cat and they're mildly allergic to the cat and then they go to sleep in their bed that has some, a little bit of mud, uh, dust. Any one of these is not enough to necessarily cause a problem, but when you add to their, their allergic allergy bucket a, a little bit of all of them, cumulatively, they're functioning in an allergic state. And because they're all intolerances, they never have a moment where they suddenly go from good to bad. It's just always they're drained always fatigued, always having this chronic, whatever it is they're having, whatever tissue is getting triggered. It's always there in the background. And they're never like, oh, and since they never get a break from it, they never really know what's causing it, right? Because it's part of their lifestyle. So for those kind of people, you know, and, and again, it's like, well, what do you do for these people? All right, well, you can say, look, stop having oranges and eggs, but are they going to give up their job? Um, it's very hard to to stay on top of all the dusts. Even if you completely wrap your bed and pillows, there's still going to be dust there. They love their cat. They have they enjoy wine. What do you do for these people? Because they're not necessarily going to change or can change some of these things. So the product we make is called Testament. That's something that it has all those things. And that's something that you could consider because we live in a world now where, you know, there's so many toxins that our allergic system is really going haywire. And we're getting allergic or intolerant to a lot of things and kind of staying in this quasi-state of continuous low-grade inflammation for years. And it's not really healthy.
0: How effective would you say it is? How, how hopeful should people be?
1: Wow. Well, I mean, from what I'm, I'm seeing now, it's working gangbusters. Now, how much you have to take is another matter. Um, if you've got someone with a totally wrecked gut microbiome that's pumping out a massive amount of histamine, no, you're going to have to address that because, you know, it's, you know, you you can, you can bail out a ship, but not if, if the ship's, you know, got a, you know, giant holes in it. You know, you have to, you have to, you have to at least knock out the main sources. So do an allergy and an intolerance test and just say, hey, if there are any things I'm really allergic or intolerant to, I'm just going to stay away from those for now. Um, and. Um, if the gut's really out of whack, fix the gut. If you've got those things dealt with, like I said, I had sleep apnea for years, right? And I actually went ahead and 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 I'm in the, the middle of the process, of the whole dental expansion thing where you stretch your whole dental arch out. And I'm a year and a half into that. So I basically got all the benefit I was going to get from dental expansion. And even so, as good as it was, it only knocked my apnea out 50%, for which I was grateful, right? A 50% drop in apnea, thank you very much. But one capsule of those ingredients at night knocked it out the rest of the way. And had I known, maybe it would have knocked it out all the way. And I never would have had to do this silly dental expansion because now my bite's out of alignment. So yeah, I'm pretty hopeful for a lot of people that um a lot that it's going to be useful. Um, you know, especially also people who've been vaccinated, a lot of the or have gotten COVID, a lot of the post-vaccination, post-COVID stuff that's going on is mast cell Um, media, it it has a mast cell triggering uh, aspect to it. So I think if you're dealing with long COVID, um, looking at histamine and mast cells is very important.
0: And if one wanted to try and wipe out dust mites and so on, are there any materials that you could use that might be effective?
1: Well, I mean, sure, There um, there are things you can wrap your bed and wrap your blankets and wrap your pillows with, and you can, you know, make sure you, you know, I would go online. There are there are plenty of forums and videos that will explain uh, how to properly clean dust mites and a little bit of a mildly dust-free location. Um, I think, you know, some um, really good HEPA filters in the bedroom are also good, but uh, it's like, you know, I once heard um, a mentor of, uh, or tell me decades ago, you haven't really cured your client if they can't go to the ball game and have a soda and a hot dog without getting sick, right? Um, so I'm not saying that you you should be having sodas and hot dogs, but the, the principle is, you know, you have to, you're, you, you, you want to be healthy enough to have a little leeway to be able to have some, you know, experiences that, you know, aren't great for you, but are enjoyable. So um, yes, you can and should live in as much of a dust-free environment as you can, but you don't want to be going necessarily overboard unless you have a really intense allergy to dust. Better just to get your body able to handle histamine in a, in a more mature and balanced manner, I think is a better goal.